Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Be not drunken with wine, wherein is excess, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. The fruit, which is the evidence or the manifestation, here in this passage is the drunkenness. However, the root of the problem is the spirit in operation. It is what is influencing unto drunkenness, and that is identified as excess. In this passage, we're told to choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit as opposed to this spirit of excess, making it obvious that we cannot be led by both of them. The Holy Spirit will never allow us to be okay with excess. It will always convict and teach and influence us to holiness, which encompasses selflessness and a self-consciousness of the needs of those around us. Therefore, do we have to choose one or the other, excess or the Holy Spirit? Because obeying one will cause us to disobey the other and vice versa. We read this by the words of Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, where he says, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon, which is a spirit of materialism, which of course is definitely related to excess. Now we know that the church is very guilty of this, but this is no new experience. In Amos chapter 6, we read that God had a controversy with the church, that they were being led and endorsing a spirit of excess by their actions which of course, as we already addressed, is contrary to the Holy Spirit. Therefore, God determined that he would come and judge it. You see, he wanted to bring revival. He wanted to save the lost. He wanted to do so many mighty things, but they were preventing it by perverting his message and the representation of it with their selfish actions. Therefore, did he determine to come and remove the wealth of it? Jesus makes the same charge against the Pharisees in the New Testament, plainly stating that excess is a sin and connecting it to extortion. Expensive houses and clothing and materialism at the expense of God's kingdom mission. Too much food, too much drink, addiction, constant entertainment, perversion, lust, and extravagant living. Using things that had a purpose beyond its God-intended purposes for selfish reasons. This was the charge against Israel in the Old Testament and the Pharisees and the New. And I'm here to tell you today that it is the charge against those who claim to represent the faith at large today. God was not at all pleased with it then. He isn't now. Because these selfish, self-seeking, self-serving harlot brides that love to adorn themselves and seek attention and vainglory, spouting counterfeit wisdom, putting their hope, heart, and desire in materialism and the people's faith in mammon, or preventing the true bride of Jesus Christ from doing the work of his kingdom. They're stealing the children. They're hoarding the resources. 
and any time in history that the work and mission of God's real church was ever hindered, God moved mountains to deal with it. We stand on the brink of this again because the church has embraced this sin in many different forms and fashions. It has stolen God's resources and used them and consumed them upon their own lusts, seeking vain glory and selfish ambitions. It has caused the people to forget the true words of God in Scripture and stood against his true prophets. It has raised up counterfeits to pluck up every tender plant that the true servants of God have planted. And God will not stand for it. God is coming to strip those who have done this and redistribute to the few who will rightly steward it. To do the work of his kingdom, his promises will stand, his will will be accomplished. He will do what he must to fulfill his covenants. He gives us blessings for a reason. To adorn his bride and to tend to the family of God, not to consume upon our own lust. Too many have made it about them and their own little kingdom. And God is coming to strip it from them. And the suddenly that we all have felt in our spirit was coming. This is why he has been releasing for quite a while now such an abundant calling to increase your giving. This is why so many have been pressed into fasting. This is why he is presenting the opportunity for willful servanthood within the body of Christ. It is a cry to come out of alignment or agreement with the spirit of excess by standing in direct opposition to his influence before God moves against it. He is calling for repentance from it, but true repentance is not just saying that we are sorry. It is changing direction and doing something different than what we were doing before. It is choosing to stand against the influence of an evil spirit and in agreement with the words and teachings of God in faith. It is trusting what God says and trusting that he will send his grace to support and empower us as we do it. For example, when we give to others in faith, And then God provides for us through his grace, right? Like the example of the widow woman with her jars in the time of famine in scripture or the boy with his loaves and fishes at the times of the disciples and Jesus. Or what about when we give up food in order to fast in faith and then God strengthens us both physically and spiritually by his grace. Or when we choose to give up our leisure time to pray in faith and then God moves mountains through his grace, dethrones powers and principalities all to the glory of his name. This is what I'm talking about. He gives us opportunity to partake in the victory by showing us how to stand in opposition to the enemy so that as he comes in against it, we can be found with him and not the ones that he is roaring against. Because to be friends with the world makes you the enemy of God. Oh, let us be found on the right side of this coming judgment. Here is wisdom. Seek the Lord. Hear what he is speaking and get into position. 
because there is a work to be done. And he's looking for those who he can trust to entrust the resources of his kingdom to, to achieve the mission and commission that he has set forth for the bride. Yes, there is a true bride of Christ that is not haughty or gaudy, but is selfless, sacrificial, faithful. The laborers who wait by the well to draw up for all who are thirsty, no matter how hard or dirty the work. They are the ones that are about to be entrusted with golden bracelets for their journey and mighty promises of what's to come, just like Rebecca was. The bride that was chosen for the master's son who is, in my opinion, the perfect archetype for what God is really looking for, for his own son. The one waiting at the well, the one who was selfless, the one who offered to draw up water, those deep wells of revelation, oh, the water of the word of God being distributed to all who were thirsty, all those who needed. She offered not just to give to the man of God, but to all of his camels with him. That was a hard job. And she did it willingly, not seeking anything, not wanting attention. She had a servant's heart. She was selfless. But, yes, as we have seen through the scripture and through the ages and through history, that there is a counterfeit. There is a harlot. And it gives the true church a bad name. Just like there is an antichrist, there is an anti-bride. It seduces and usurps and perverts and prevents the true bride from doing her work. Don't be found in agreement with her. Because God has never allowed her to stop the work of the church indefinitely. When she gets in the way of one who is willing, then he always moves to remove and deal with the selfish. So repent. Separate from it and its influence. Come out from among her that you be not partakers of her plagues as we are warned in the book of Revelations. Choose your side. Take your stand because his hand is already rising up against it and the judgment cometh quickly. In Amos chapter 6 verse 1 we read God's charge when it says woe unto them that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria. Samarimus of Samaria was one of the early incarnations of this great harlot. She was known throughout the ages by many names, but her character is always the same. And in every place and in every nation that she was allowed to usurp the work of God, he always rose up against her. In fact, the passage continues to say that are any of these nations that God judged for allowing her to influence them and pervert the work of the remnant that God came against. Are you better than any of them? Are their borders greater than your border? Ye that put away the evil day and cause the seat of violence to come near, 
that lie upon beds of ivory and stretch themselves upon their couches and eat the lambs out of the flock and the calves out of the midst of the stalls. Again, look at that astonishing spirit of excess. They chant to the sound of the vial and invent to themselves instruments of music like David and drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the chiefest ointments. But they are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. Therefore, now shall they go captive with the first that go captive. And the banquet of them that stretcheth themselves shall be removed. The Lord hath sworn by himself, saith the Lord God of hosts, I had whored the excellency of Jacob, and I hate his palaces. Therefore will I deliver up the city with all that is therein. This was a very serious judgment against those that were living in decadence and excess and selfishness and had no grieving in their heart for the lost, for the sins of the people of God, for the misrepresentation of his message of his word, for those who were not walking in their calling or doing his good work. Jesus tells the Pharisees in Matthew 23, verse 25, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you are hypocrites. For you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. You blind Pharisees, clean first that which is within the cup and the platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. In other words, it doesn't matter how good you look to the world. If you are still living in excess, then you are living in selfishness and you are not concerned for others. And that is an evidence that you are not listening to the heart of God who is always attentive to the cry of those in need. I tell you this of a certainty. That people's access to excess is about to be cut off. And when it happens, you need to thank him for it. Because excess is a sin. And it's time for us to learn to be good stewards again. You see, in the modern church, they tend to think that gossip and gluttony is okay. It's not. It's still a sin. Think of excess like this. In the Bible, there were medicinal uses for alcohol, but anytime it was used outside of its purpose, it became drunkenness, which was the sin of excess, which is what we read in our opening passage. But it can apply to many different areas of our life. Food has a purpose, but when it is used beyond its biblical purpose, it becomes gluttony, which is a sin, the sin of excess. Sexual relations has a purpose, but when it is used outside of its biblical purpose, it becomes lust and perversion. It is sin. It is the sin of excess. Money and material possessions have purpose in the earth. The Bible tells us that we do need food and clothing, but when our use of it goes beyond its purpose, it becomes greed, the sin of excess. Leisure time is not a sin. God desires us to have a Sabbath time with our family and with him. But when we go beyond its biblical purpose, 
it moves into laziness, which yes, is a sin. It is a sin of excess. Things like TV and internet and different platforms of either entertainment or information have a purpose, but when the use of it goes beyond God's intended purpose for it, it becomes idolatry, the sin of excess. Attention has a purpose. It's not sinful for a husband to desire the attention of his wife or the mother to desire the attention of her children or to give attention to one another. But when the desire for attention goes beyond its intended biblical purpose, it becomes vanity and vainglory, the sin of excess. So we might look at it like this, that excess might be the strong man or the principality that has a very large family working beneath it. Many powers such as addiction, lust, perversion, vanity, greed, gluttony, laziness, all of the things that we just mentioned live within your means and be content with what you have. And when you have a little extra, don't consume it upon your own lust. Find someone to bless with it. Don't be selfish. Always look for a way to be selfless. Look to the needs of others. How can you help someone? Counter that spirit. Don't agree with it. Commit to tithe, to be charitable, to fast, to discipline your time, to put God first and others second. Remember the Shema and live it. It's important. God's going to bring balance because so many have gotten so distracted. They care more about the gift than the giver. They care more about the promise than the person of Jesus. Do you seek his presence for what you can get out of it or do you seek it to love him, to hug him, to thank him, to worship? Do you thank him for what he has already done or are you always asking for more stuff? We don't want to be gluttons, not physically, not spiritually, not in any form or fashion. We know that gain with contentment is godliness and that your word tells us that for those who teach that material gains is an evidence of godliness that we should run away from them because that's just not how this works. You're more concerned with the work of the kingdom And yes, if you want to release resources to do something, then you will do it, but you will do it through those who will properly steward it. So give us wisdom. Let us be selfless. Let us be patient. Let us be giving. And let us not consume upon ourselves more than what we need. But let us always tend to the needs of others, both spiritually and physically. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.